You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk and Brexit update on Tuesday the 28th of January. I'm John Herfnan from our Customer Treasury Unit and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to review what's going on in markets and discuss monetary policy of the major economies. Oliver, monetary policies for the large portion of the world's central banks returned to an easing mode last year. Can you give us an update of what, how the new year has begun and what's going on? Well, it's certainly returned to easy mode. Uh, I mean, as the IMF pointed out last week when they did an update uh, on the world economy, we had 49 central banks cutting rates and a total of 71 rate cuts. So that was the most synchronised easing of monetary policy we've seen since the big financial crash back in 2008, 2009. And it was important. Um, the IMF are saying that that added about a half percent to world growth. And without that easing in monetary policy, we could well be facing a, a global recession uh, in 2020. Now, growth did slow a lot last year. I mean, that's what triggered the um, the easing in policy. Obviously, inflationary pressures were very subdued. So this, this broad-based easing of policy, all the major central banks, you know, the Fed, the ECB, the Bank of China, Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, India, you know, covering large parts of the world economy. And I say it was critical in terms of... S- staving off the risk of a global recession. Now, notwithstanding that, you know, growth, the, the, the world economy picked up to a growth rate around 4%. That slowed to around 3 That's pretty weak. That's below trend because remember, a lot of these emerging economies like India and China are growing rates of 5 6 7%. And the prospect is for continued subdued growth. Both the IMF and the OECD are saying that for both 2020 and 2021. So um, that'll pose an interesting dilemma for central banks. Uh, in terms of what we're seeing, uh, and there are, you know, we had a meeting last week, we have two meetings this week. Generally, central banks are, uh, as, as we say in the parallel, have taken to the sidelines. In other words, they've cut rates, they feel they've done enough uh, and are not inclined to ease policy much further. So you see that, we saw that last week with the ECB. Uh, we've known the ECB had done a significant easing package uh, last September, October. Uh, and further easing was not anticipated. And that was the message that was reinforced last week by the ECB at its monthly meeting uh, in January. And uh, the ECB is also conducting a major review of its policy stance, so it might well keep uh, policy on hold during that period. So that's the main story, uh, that central banks have eased policy, uh, rates have been cut to low levels, and they're not inclined to do much more. And on the back of that kind of uh, background and what's going on, what do you expect this week from the Fed? And then moving on from there, what do you expect from the Bank of England? Yeah, well, firstly, the Fed, the Fed's up first, and that's likely to be a non-event. The Fed cut rates by three-quarters of a percent last year. We had three rate cuts, 25 basis points in the second half of the year. And the the policy, the Fed policy is set by what's called a Fed Open Market Committee. It's regional Feds and permanent Fed presidents, uh, and they meet every six weeks and vote on policy. And essentially, at the last two meetings, I mean, rates were cut to 1.625%. At the last two meetings, not one Fed policymaker felt rates need to be lowered any further. Growth has slowed, but it's down to around 2%. But they're full employment, so you know, 2% is around trend growth. Inflation is close to target. So the Fed has said that it feels the easing of policy that it did last year should be sufficient to sustain the economy at a reasonable growth rate and it doesn't need to take any further action. So I think that message will come through this week. The data in the States haven't been bad. 
you know, growth has settled around 2% rate. We expect we'll get, uh, you know, it'll be something like that for quarter four uh, and growth rate around 2% or slightly above for 2020. If that's what transpires, we won't get any further action from the Fed. Now, the Bank of England, on the other hand, uh, didn't ease policy last year. I mean, obviously, Brexit was a fly in the ointment. The economy slowed. It was unclear how much that slowdown was due to Brexit uncertainty, how much was due to global slowdown. Uh, and the Bank of England uh, kept policy on hold. But at the last two meetings last year, um, two of the members voted for a rate cut. Um, Mark Carney, who's the Bank of England governor, said if the data remained weak, and the, U- the UK economy did slow a lot last year, if the, if the data remained weak, that there would be they would have to take monetary policy action and response would be required. Now, having said that, there are signs in early data for January that the economy has got a bounce, I think, from the removal, certainly the, the removal of near-term uncertainty around Brexit, the ending of the political uncertainty, you know, a big win for the Tory party in, in the general election. So survey indicators look like to be picking up. So th- the market has been back and forth in terms of whether we'll get a rate cut this week or not from the from the Bank of England. Uh, it, it it's it's about fifty fifty in terms of the market's view. It does though think that we will get a rate cut at some stage in the first half of the year. Uh, I think the market's view in our view is that okay, we may get a bounce in activity, uh, a Boris bounce or a Brexit bounce, uh, but it might be short lived because the UK is set to leave the EU now at the end of this week, thirty uh, first of January. Uh, that might see an acceleration growth in the first quarter. But what lies ahead uh, this year for the for the UK is very difficult trade negotiations with the EU. And that could certainly act as a headwind for, for UK growth. And those circumstances, the Bank of England is likely to ease. So it's pretty hard to call. So the market has, has a 50% chance priced in of a rate cut uh, by the end of this week. And it's fully discounting a 25 basis point rate cut by next uh, well, next May or June. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. So, and again, I would emphasize the Bank of England did not ease policy last year. So it's the last major central banks to get back into the policy action in terms of the easing mode. Most central banks feel we're done. Uh, and in regard to the Bank of England, the markets would be one rate cut and done there as well. Now, I think part of the issue is you know, rates are at very low levels in a lot of economies. If the UK cuts, it'll reduce rates to a half percent. Rates are negative in um, Japan. They're obviously deeply negative in um, the Eurozone. They're negative in Switzerland. They're negative in Denmark. And there's doubts about what effect negative interest rates are having. Are, are they actually benefiting economies? In fact, the Swedish central bank hiked rates before Christmas. It said these negative rates don't seem to be working, so it restored rates to a zero percent. Now, that's not the start of a series of rate hikes. They just moved from a negative to a zero rate. Um, so that's an interesting question. So rates are very low, and uh, you know it's going to pose a dilemma for central banks if we see a renewed slowdown in economic activity this year. They already cut rates to low levels. Now, apart from the US, you know, there isn't much more that can be done in terms of monetary easing. So the IMF and the OECD have identified this as an issue. And what they've been doing is saying to governments, well, governments that have the capacity to do so should loosen fiscal policy if there's a renewed slowdown in the global economy because we're, we're, we're running out of ammunition here in terms of central banks having rates that are very low 
are negative, have done massive quantitative easing. So there's not much more they can do in terms of loosening policy, apart, as I say, from, from the Fed. Now, the Fed hiked rates in 2017 and 2018, so it can wind more of those increases. But elsewhere, it's very low ammunition for, that central banks have in terms of counteracting. It was a deepening of the downturn in activity. So maybe central banks, you know, one of the reasons central banks eased last year, uh, even though we didn't hit recession, was that they didn't have much ammunition, so they wanted to use what they had early to get out in front of the slowdown in activity and try and halt it and reverse it. The indications are that, this, that they may have done that, but it's, you know, there's no guarantee we won't get a renewed slowdown this year. I think the focus then will come on government policy, budgetary policy, uh, in particular to increase capital spending. I mean, rates are very, very low. So, you know, governments can't easily justify borrowing funds uh, for capital projects, infrastructure projects, and even um, measures, you know, to, to counteract uh, climate change, global warming, etc. That really just brings us on to, do you think the political will is there to do it? And particularly if we focus on the ECB, do you think the structures are there for governments to be able to do that kind of spending at the moment? Well, obviously, we've won monetary policy for all Eurozone member states, but every country has its own fiscal policy. Uh, I think in the UK, we are definitely going to see fiscal easing this year. I mean, the new government's commission to that. What the IMF and the OECD are looking to is countries like Germany, which have huge current account surpluses, uh, which have big budget surpluses, uh, which have an infrastructure, a public infrastructure that needs investment. And they won't name check individual countries but they're looking to countries like Germany in particular which have large budget surpluses uh, where activity it's been very badly impacted by the slowdown in global trade and slowdown in global manufacturing because as we said before on these podcasts Germany has a big industrial base so it's economies like Germany um, and indeed Ireland uh, where there's a budget surplus where there could be an increased focus on uh, public capital spending. The US jumped the gun a bit two years ago in terms of tax cuts, but again in the US, um, okay, the budget deficit has risen, but you know, in the face of a slowdown there where rates went to, towards zero, uh, there may be increased calls to expand capital expenditure in the US, again, improve the public infrastructure, long-term rates are very low. So this is actually a good time for governments to borrow. And it is very unusual to see central banks like the ECB saying uh, where the scope is there, governments need to look uh, to expand fiscal policy to counteract any slowdown in economic activity. Now, what the IMF advised last week was actually to get projects ready, to have capital spending plans that you can pull down very quickly in case there is a renewed slowdown activity. Not necessarily to pull the trigger, but to identify projects get the planning done so that if you do need uh, to quickly add a fiscal stimulus, you're not standing around for 12 months wondering what projects I'm going to uh, move here, that you have the plans ready. That's in particular what the IMF called for last week. That makes sense. And just briefly, Ollie, just touching on a couple of points throughout your discussion there, you're looking at a 50-50 chance of a cut this week, and obviously we're looking into Brexit. Are you expecting much on Sterling? around these or do you think the move down towards 84p is as much as we're going to see yeah i think stern has been strong uh, in the aftermath of the election result uh there's obviously uh the clarity that the uk is leaving with a deal that a, a no deal uh exit has been avoided certainly for now i would say you know, we've seen stern trade around 85 going down as low as 84 against the euro uh my view would be looking out over the year that Sterling is likely to move lower as the difficult negotiations get underway 
and increased concerns that you know we may not get a deal here then the year and there may not be an extension to the transition period and the UK could leave uh, or end the transition period without a deal uh, and in effect what we face in 2021 is back to World Trade Organization trading rules with the UK a delayed hard Brexit if you like so that may not happen, but I think there could be a lot of speculation about that if the if the if the talks prove as difficult as people are saying. Oliver, many thanks as always for your valuable insights. And we'd like to thank all our customers and listeners for joining us this week. And to stay up to date with all our latest podcasts, please make sure you press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS and Android. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.